0: Going to be in Acts chapter 3 today. The apostles were being obedient to the instructions of Jesus after the resurrection. He ascended into heaven, and now the apostles went, waited in Jerusalem. For the promise of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came. They went out into the street. They didn't have this planned. It wasn't like they had a book to follow. That said okay. Now as soon as the Holy Spirit comes. Go out into the street. Speak in other tongues. And tell everybody what you know they need to hear. And then they're all going to get saved. They didn't have that. We do. We We have... All of the information that we need to accomplish the purposes of Jesus for our lives. The ministries that he gives us. It doesn't matter what you were raised in. What belief system, what religious system. It doesn't matter. We've all been, I was raised Catholic. Um, I know many of you were raised in other religious systems. But... All of that aside, this is the Word of God. All we need to do is listen to what the Word of God has to say, and then we have the answers. I don't listen to what a church tells me as far as doctrine goes. I I don't want a church to tell me what is right and what is wrong. I want the Bible to tell me what is right and what is wrong. If a church says something that isn't in the Bible, then I have to question, where did you get that from? You know, and and sometimes you'll get the answer, oh, well, it was a revelation that we received from, you know, God. There is no private revelations. There are no private prophecies. There is no private interpretation. Uh, The Bible is open to us all. And it applies to us all, no matter what our background is. So here's the good news. We have these acts from these apostles. We can see what they were doing. We can see the good that they did. And we see the mistakes that they made, too. There were some mistakes that were made. That's why I love the Bible, because it tells us the good and the bad. It tells us the right and the wrong, And it always emphasizes that Jesus is the right way. Everything that he taught us, everything that he taught the apostles was uh, the right way. And even if you have everything perfect, even if you have the example of Jesus right there in front of you, you're still going to have a Judas in the camp. How is it possible? You know, I, I wish Judas was going to be in heaven so I can smack him. <laughs> so why, I, how in the world? Now, of course, I'm, that's hate speech. And, uh, but I'm, I'm joking in a way, but it's like I just don't understand. How can you follow someone that led you in such a positive way? And you still come up on, I'll tell you how. He was human. He had sin in his life. And he let sin control him more than he let Jesus control him. Today's message is titled, The Lame Man is Healed. We continue our study through the book of Acts with chapter three in verse one, where we read, now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. So there were actually three hours of prayer. Uh, The first one was at nine o'clock a.m., the third hour. The hours start at 6 a.m., that's when the day started. And at 9 a.m. would be the first hour of prayer. The second one was at noon. That's when Peter was hanging out up on Simon the Tanner's roof, and he was hungry, and he had that vision of the sheet coming down with the animals on it, and God saying, hey, rise, kill, eat. Eat. Peter said, oh, I've never eaten anything that was unclean. God said, what I call clean, you don't call unclean. You see, it's another one of those Peterisms where Peter always had the right way of doing things. Oh, no, that's unclean. You know, and God said, no, I called it clean. Eat it. Shut up. (laughs) He didn't say shut up. It wasn't in... I, I threw that in there. But that's how... I hear God sometimes when I'm studying the word, and I'm like, "Oh, I fit that I, i'm I've done that. I've thought that my way was better than God's way. I thought that the way I was doing something, I was more righteous because of the way I was doing it, you know and and then I could hear. No, it wasn't the voice of God. I didn't hear a voice, but but in my heart, I heard shut up. You know, and and it's like, of course, you know, I'm being a fool. I need to listen more and talk less. I need to hear the Holy Spirit speak more, and stop trying to tell him how I'm going to do things. These apostles weren't going now at two thirty. 30 minutes before prayer in the afternoon. That's when they had the sacrifice. They had the afternoon sacrifice then. And when they did that, the smoke from the sacrifice would be going up into the air. And that's how come the people came at 3 o'clock and they all went to prayer and the prayers of the saints went up with the smoke. And that's uh, how they envisioned this. But... Peter and John were going there not so much to participate in the traditions of Judaism. They were going there to pray, but they were going there to preach. They were going there to share the gospel message with those Jews that were there. One important thing I see here is that Peter and John went together to a lot of different things. Now, Peter was alone up on the roof when he was getting hungry and had that vision, you know. Uh, He was alone up there spending time with the Lord in prayer. But whenever they were out ministering and interacting with the Jews, with the public, they were together. They went two by two. Sometimes they had more. Sometimes they had a group. See, when... Cornelius had sent his servants and they came and got Peter down from the roof and and came in to the house of Simon the Tanner. When they went to go talk to Cornelius, Peter didn't go alone. Peter brought other disciples with him when he went to the home of Cornelius. And so it was just the fact that it's good to have more than one person so that when you go, one person can be praying, one person can be sharing, two people may be sharing, but the more you have there with you, the better it is, the more uh, uh, accountability you have in to what you're doing. It's always good, and that's a good example because Peter and John did a lot together, and we hear... Uh, you know, Peter and John, Peter, James and John, when Jesus was around, he would call them together to do things. You know, when uh, Jesus rose from the dead, Peter and John were running a marathon to the tomb together, racing each other to see who would be who. John records that. They were always together, doing things together. It's good for us to do things with other believers. Sometimes it's our wives that we do things with in ministry. Sometimes it is a group of men doing things in ministry. Sometimes it's a group of women doing things in ministry. Whatever God calls you to do, don't do it alone. Bring someone along. Maybe it's to mentor them, or maybe it's to encourage you, because when you stumble, you have someone to pick you up when you fall. A couple of things we learn about here, that Peter and John have a high value of friendship, of relationship. They placed a high value on that, and they were men of prayer. When it was time to pray, they would pray. Now, we remember in the garden, it was time to sleep. You know, remember? You know, Jesus went to pray, they went to sleep. You know, wow, we just had that good meal and everything. Oh, time to go to sleep. Well, Jesus, if he wanted us to pray, we shouldn't have gone to eat first. We we should have prayed first, and then we would eat. But they were going to the temple because they wanted not to participate in Jewish traditions, but they wanted to share with those that were there the good news of Jesus Christ. Verse 2. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. So, Here's this man. He's lame from birth. He had friends bringing him or family members bringing him. It doesn't say who they are, but they would put him at the beautiful gate, the gate beautiful, that's the name of it, every day to ask alms. Why would they go to these gates and ask alms? Because it was part of what the Jews did. You see, the Jews believed that it was their responsibility to give to the poor and so these people would position themselves in such a place that when the jews that were going into the temple uh, would pass by they would give alms uh, to these that were needy that were poor outside the gate and so it was an opportunity for the jews to show off their giving heart And for the poor to receive funds at that point. And then in verse 3, we read, Who, seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked for alms. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, Look at us. And so here he is. People are walking by, going into the temple. It's the hour of prayer. And as Peter and John are going by he sees them and he's asking for alms for them. And obviously he wasn't really focused on them. He saw them and he asked for alms but he probably was more in a looking down position to where he would be humble and um, asking for help. And Peter and John stop and look at him. And Peter says to him, hey, look at us. Look at us. And so he wanted to get his attention. He wanted to get his eyes off of the situation and onto Peter and John. And so he gave them his attention expecting to receive something from them. He was going to receive something, just not what he expected. You know, in that situation, we have been probably numerous times in our lives where we were calling out to God, expecting something from God, expecting help from God. If if you're not expecting help, why call out to him? That's a problem with our prayer today. Quite often, we pray not expecting. We pray because that's what we're supposed to do. Oh, you're sick, let me pray for you. But if we don't have the faith that that prayer is going to have an impact in that person's life, why pray it? Why even open our mouths? Why not just say, well, good luck? Because that's about as effective as a faithless prayer. When we pray, we should have faith. Not faith in our prayer, because our prayer is meaningless without the power of God. It's the power of God that makes prayer effective. I have a God that not only hears my prayers, he answers my prayers. And that may not be all the time because sometimes I'm praying for alms when he wants to give me something much more. He wants to bless me much greater than the thing that I'm asking for. I have learned... Not to pray so specifically. You know, not to say, God, this is what I want. This is what I need. Oh no, He knows better what I need, right? And He may want to give me something so much better than what I'm asking for. But because I am limited in my understanding of what God wants to do with what he's going to bless me with, sometimes the answer is no. I really need this motorcycle. (laughs) You see, and and he knows what I would be like on a motorcycle, you know. And and so he says, uh-uh, nope, You, you don't need a motorcycle. What you need is an armored car. But, you know, I'll I'll let you have something a little smaller. I always think of what's best for me, and that's how my prayers were. Oh, Lord, I know that this is what's best for me. But it isn't. That's what this guy is finding out right now. He's asking for alms because that's what he needs, right? And then... Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. So here is this man who has been lame from birth, sitting outside the gate. He wasn't really sitting. He was laying there because they just flopped him there. And he's there in front of the beautiful gate and he's asking for alms and then Peter comes along and says you know oh silver and gold I don't have but what I do have I'm going to give to you in the name of Jesus Christ rise and walk. If it was today, there would be some woke people standing by saying, you jerk, you jerk talking to him like that. He's lame, he's been lame since he was born. And, and here you, you know, how rude, how inconsiderate, right? Isn't that the attitude that we would get today? You're full of hate. You don't even care about that person. Now, at this point, the lame man is still there on the ground. And he heard what Peter told him. And he probably looks something like this. (laughs) You You don't understand this, do you? But maybe not. You see, I believe the only reason why Peter said that to him was because the Holy Spirit told him to say that to him. How many other people were outside that gate asking for alms? He wasn't the only one. This was just a small vision of one person of what was going on in this person's life, but there were others that were gathered there asking for alms. They, they figured, if I could look pathetic enough, I'll beat out that lame guy. I'm here a little bit closer, and maybe I'll get the alms before they get to the lame guy. I'll just try to look a little more pathetic. Oh, I know that sounds kind of harsh. Go to Israel today. Same way. When you're on tour and you're going through these streets and stuff like that, you'll find these beggars out there on the street. It was hilarious that we were walking by this one guy. He, he looked good. He, he had the right outfit. He, he had the right amount of dirt on his body. You know, he, he smelled right. I, I don't know if they have special cologne for these guys but he smelled it he was acting that part until his brand new iphone rang he forgot to mute it (laughs) he forgot to mute his iphone and he pulled it out and he smashed it with disgust that he forgot to mute it and then he put it back in and it was like are you kidding me right now you know and, and but now, I'm not saying that everyone begging is like that. There are times where we'll go by people, and Cheryl has this discernment for people, and she will say, we need to give them some money. We need to give that person something. And I'm like, okay, how much something? You know, it, I, I think I only have a... Th- Two dollars in here. No, get, grab the 20 and give it to them. Oh, the 20. <laughs> I don't have the same discernment that you, I had $10 discernment. She had $20 discernment. I, you know, and I give it because we don't know what they're going to do with that and we don't care. That's between them and the Lord. If God tells you to do something, just do it. It, it it doesn't matter what the result is after. And so Peter here is telling him to rise and walk. And he's looking like, what are you talking about? And in verse 7 it says, And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up. Can, can you hear the woke people jerk? He can't get up. He's lame. And immediately his feet and ankle bone received strength, and so he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. It was a miracle, right? Of course it was. He had to have faith for that to happen. You see, he sits outside the beautiful gate. It wasn't that long ago that Jesus was crucified because of his miracles, because of his claim of being the Messiah, he probably heard everything. He knew all the scuttlebutt because he was right there listening to everything that was going on around him. He would hear the talk, the rumors of all of the people coming in and out and So the Holy Spirit had been working on this guy's heart. Obviously because Peter and John went to him. See, they passed by these other guys and went to him. And then Peter knew, get up. This guy was still unsure. He, He was been lame. How can I get up his ankles and his feet were bad can you imagine the atrophy in his legs from you know not being and it all came together and he got up and he was walking with them he was leaping he was like is it Mikhail borishnikov the the dancer is that you know the ballet dude I, I you know That's what he was like. He was dancing and he was leaping. And it's like, wow. That would be exciting to see, wouldn't it? I think it's even more exciting to see someone that has lived a life of sin their whole life walking a life contrary to God and then getting saved, receiving Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, and getting saved. That's just as exciting to me. And sometimes it's a little more improbable to me. And I know because I've been there, I've lived it, because I was one of those people that nobody ever expected me to get saved. I had so much going on in my life that Uh, People would have considered me prosperous by the world's, you know, concern. I was doing pretty good. But I didn't have any desire to be a Christian at that point. I was raised in Catholicism, but, you know, all I liked about that were robes and the chance to light something on fire with those... You know, I can light the candles. I wanted to do, I wanted to be an altar boy just because of the, the cool things they got to do. It was part of the ritual, being included in the I wanted to be part of something. And so, you know, at 14 years old, I became part of the world. And, uh, you know, at 14 years old, you would think, no, 14, come on. Yeah, 14. And I'd lived, by, by the time I was 19, I I'd lived three lives of trouble. And it was not a good thing. There was nothing glamorous about it. But when I got saved and my whole life turned around, people didn't recognize it right away. Oh, they saw that I was different I was like this guy leaping and, and, you know, walking, but I still didn't know much. And I still made a lot of mistakes. It took years of God working on this heart. You know, be, here, here is a typical conversation with God early on. Uh, All right, God, I really know I need you. I need you to do this. I need you to do that. Uh, okay, and I have a little success. And All right, God, I got it from here. Hang on. I got it. You know, and then I would start doing what I thought I needed to do. You know, and God was patient. He was like, go ahead. You know, do what you want. I'll be right here when you come back. And every time, I would go back and say, okay. I'd be like that song, Jesus, take the wheel. Please, because I'm, I've messed this up. Why was I behind the wheel in the first place? He needs to be behind the wheel all the time. So I don't end up where I was going. There are many people that are going through life lame. They don't realize it, but they're going through life lame because they don't have spiritual strength to do what God wants them to do, what God's calling them to do. They don't even hear God at all, period. And many of them mock God, but they'd rather stay lame because they're comfortable with being lame. And then there are Christians that continue to live lame lives with no power and no strength because ah, this is what I'm called to. This is what God made me this way. God wants to take us all from being spiritually lame to being spiritually powerful, to have the Holy Spirit power in our lives to make a difference in this world. That's what God really wants. But we get stuck in doing, going through motions and doing what we think is right and he wants to get us out of it, just like he's getting this, this lame man out of it. He wants to get us out of being lame. Verse 9, And all the people saw him walking and praising God. He, who told him to praise God? Who told him? It was Peter and John that were there, and Peter lifted him up. Who told Well, Peter said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. You see, he knew. And he had heard all the rumors. And he knew who Jesus was. And he was ready to follow. He was ready to listen. And they knew that it was he who sat begging at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. The evidence was overwhelming. There he is, leaping, walking. He's living like everyone else. You see, when we are lame and we're not able to do things, uh, then we ask for alms, we ask for help, and that's about as far as we get. But if God does something supernatural and brings us out of that, now. We can do for ourselves, that's trouble. You see, this lame man can now think to himself, I can go to work now. Uh, I can go, you know, have a career now. Maybe he has never been married because he was a lame man. He couldn't do anything, he couldn't provide for a family. Now his whole world has changed. You know who else's world has changed? Whoever it was that was bringing him to the gate every day and leaving him by the gate. Their world has changed. They now have the evidence that he's walking. Here he is. Look, I, I, can, I can see their faces as they go to pick him up in the end of the day. You know, where's Joe? You know, where's Joe? Oh, he's in the temple. Who brought him in the temple? No one. He walked into the temple. The disbelief would be, and then they would see his friend walking. And, and oh, look, there he is. This is amazing. And they don't have to do that anymore. What kind of testimony would that be? That's you. You see, when you allow the Holy Spirit to live through your life, you become that testimony. You become the example so that others around can see what God is doing through your life. Some of my friends still don't believe I am who I am. They still don't believe because it's like it's impossible. He's doing it for the money. (laughs) Doing it for, I don't get paid. I'm not doing this for money. I do this because I love doing this. I love doing what God has told me to do. I love being able to see God work in the lives of people And I have nothing to do with it. You know, uh, know, these people are all freaked out. They're all rushing to see what's going on now as lame man who was healed, held on to Peter and John. He wasn't holding on to them because he couldn't stand and he was weak. He was holding on to them like, you guys aren't going anywhere. I'm staying right here with you guys because I don't want you to leave. And all the people ran together to them in the porch, which is called Solomon's, greatly amazed. So when Peter saw it, he responded to the people, men of Israel, why do you marvel at this? Or why do you look so intently at us as though by our own power or godliness we had made this man Walk. Peter called it out. He said, Look, you're looking at this all wrong. You think that we had something to do with this man walking. And I want to emphasize that if you are growing deeper in your walk with Jesus, it's not because of my great teaching, it's because. Of his great love for you. And because of the work that he is doing. It's all the Holy Spirit. Peter didn't have. The healing power pack. That he kept in his pocket. You know. And then. You know. Oh. Well. We'll heal this guy. All right, Now I've got to go recharge. No. He just did whatever the Holy Spirit told him to do. And so. The gift that I have, being able to share the Word of God, is from God. And so it's not that I practice this on a regular basis, and that um, um, now I do study the Bible because that's where the power is in the Word of God. But Peter was relying 100% on the Holy Spirit to do what he did. And that's the same Holy Spirit that each of us have. It's not a different Holy Spirit. You don't have Holy Spirit 4.0, a lesser version. You don't have... See, I had the original COVID. If you got Omicron, you got the weakened version. I had the original version of COVID. I'm a survivor. Oh, gosh. Man. My body. I've got some immunity. I, I don't know what version I had, but... Um, if you get COVID, you're not going to like it. Or some of you probably won't even bother you. But here's the thing. The Holy Spirit is the same Holy Spirit and he's able to do the same work that he did through Peter through us. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So is the Holy Spirit, so is God. And so we can um, do what, he does, He does, and we can see the same results. So, can you imagine what some of these people were saying? They were saying, hold on. Him? The lame guy? He gets healed? What about me? You know, I'm, I come to, to temple every day. I'm praying all the time and everything. What do I get out of that? Maybe I need to hang out with these guys. See, they're all rushing around them up Solomon's porch. And, you know, maybe if I just hang out with these guys, something will wear off. You know, so I'll, I'll be able to get something out. Can you imagine? People, it, it goes on in churches all over uh, the place where people come into the church and they want to be elevated to a position of doing something. Because, hey, I'm more righteous than these other people. So, give me a position of authority. You know, let me do something. I have a gift. We all have gifts. Do your gift. Don't, you know, don't look for titles. The more Paul grew in his relationship with the Lord the more he was aware of his unrighteousness. He started off in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9, he started off saying, I am the least of the apostles. He recognized, he, he recognized himself as an apostle, but he's the least of the apostles. And that's how he pictured himself. But by the time he wrote Ephesians, he said he was the least of the saints. That's all the saints. And he called himself the least of the saints. We look at Paul and and he wrote so much of the New Testament. It's like, what do you mean? But he recognized his sin. Was it because God was forcing him to recognize his sin? No. It was the fact that he was growing closer to the Lord. And the closer we get to the Lord the less we recognize our righteousness because we don't have any. And then finally, in 1 Timothy chapter 15, he's going to be leaving the earth soon. He's writing these letters to Timothy and he calls himself the chief of sinners. He's over all the sinners now. He's the chief. He's the worst sinner that there is. That's how he pictured himself. You know, we, we would be like Peter, no, Lord, no, don't say that. You're not going to be going to the cross. You're not going to die. You know, uh, we, oh, Paul, come on. You're not the chief of sinners. Look at all the work you're doing. Look at all the good stuff you're doing. But it's perception that we have based on our relationship with God. The closer I get to God, the more I realize I need him. Because without him, I can do nothing. But with him, I can do all things. But sometimes when we say that, the all things become the important thing. It's not the all things that become important. It's the nothing that becomes important. I can do nothing without him. That's the important part. The all things means that Whatever he calls me to do, I can do it. Because he's called me to do it. And he's going to give me the strength to do it. That's you. He can do all things through you, all things that he is calling you to do. So if he calls you to build an ark, go do it. Noah did. And it took him a hundred and something years. But he did what he was called to do. And look what it did. Eight people saved. Eight people in the whole world. They say at that point, there was the same number of people on the earth today that there was back then. How can that possibly be? Because they lived so long, they had tons of kids. We think having three is crazy. And then, you know, can you imagine having 50? Multiple wives and all. And then you have all of these kids. And they were probably the same number of people, but only eight were saved. We have to remember what Jesus said, that it will be in the days of Noah. It will be in the days of Lot. It wasn't that the whole world was saved. Eight. The road is narrow. And there are few that find it. Peter now is going to lay out this indictment uh, against the crowd. In verse 13, he says, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate, when he was determined to let him go. But you denied the Holy One and the just, and asked for a murderer to be granted to you, and killed the Prince of Life, whom God raised from the dead, of whom? We are witnesses, and his name, through faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. You you guys are witnesses. This guy was lame, and now you see that he's healed, and you know him, so you know that this wasn't normal, and he is now healed because of Jesus Yes, the faith which comes through him has given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. It's because of God that this man is now able, but he called him out. He said, you killed the prince of life, even though Pilate wanted to let him go. You killed him. It's your fault. Can you imagine the excuses from the crowd? We didn't know. Why didn't he tell us? He did. They just didn't listen. Not only didn't they listen, they hadn't listened since the beginning of the prophets, when the prophets started sharing this. Once again, Peter gives credit to God in verse 17. Now, Yet now, brethren, I know that you did it in ignorance and did also, uh, as did also your rulers. He gave them an out. He said, I know you were ignorant and your rulers were ignorant too. They were ignorant. I wouldn't have let them off the hook so easy. But Peter was right. How do we know? Well, because Jesus, from the cross, said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. They they were ignorant. They didn't know what they were doing. And Jesus forgave them. And he asked the Father to forgive them. Do you think God said, No, I'm not going to forgive them? If that's what his son asked for, then that's what he will do. And that's how come we're told to forgive our enemies, to forgive them so that God will forgive them. There are some enemies I don't want to forgive, there are some people who have hurt me so badly that I don't want to forgive but we're called to. We're told to, I don't want to see them in heaven. I don't want to see the ones that hurt me so bad here in heaven. But you know who wants to see them? Jesus wants to see them there. He's not excited that any should die, that any will perish. He wants all to be saved. He died for them all. Everyone. And if I just look at my own life and realize how many people I've hurt worse than I've been hurt, then I realize that, you know, my unforgiveness is misplaced. I need to be forgiving. I need to love. And that's what we're called to do. They did it in ignorance. Verse 18, but... Those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his prophets that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. The prophet said he was going to suffer, and he did. Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus Christ, who was preached to you before, whom Heaven must receive until the time of the restoration of all things, which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. You see, they've been hearing this for so long. I I like that. Repent, therefore, and be converted. What didn't he say this time? He didn't say, and be baptized for the remission of sins. He said, repent and be converted. That's how we are saved. Through repentance and conversion by receiving Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Since many of the Old Testament prophecies have been fulfilled, there are still some that are going to be fulfilled that are yet to be fulfilled we can be confident that any prophecy that has not been fulfilled will be fulfilled we've had all these examples of prophecies that have been fulfilled up until this point so when someone says well that hasn't happened you're right and if it hasn't happened it's going to it's going to happen Daniel has some great prophecies about the last days. In the last days, you're going to see people running to and fro, and knowledge is going to increase and everything, and so on and so on. If you would have said that 200 years ago, it wouldn't have rang true. It would have seemed like, what are you talking about? But now, now we live and we read that prophecy, we say, oh, that has been fulfilled. You see, that was written hundreds of years before Jesus was even born. And now we have seen the fulfillment of it in our time, in our generation. It's exciting to live in the days that we're living in. Verse 22, for Moses truly said to the fathers, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. Him you shall hear in all things, whatever he says to you. Oh yeah, they heard. And it shall be that every soul who will not hear that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. Yes, and all the prophets from Samuel to those who follow, as many as have spoken, have also foretold these days. You are sons of the prophets." and of the covenant which God made with our fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. To you first, God, having raised up his servant Jesus, sent him to bless you in turning away everyone, every one of you from your iniquities. You see, he was talking about a prophecy that was from genesis genesis from 28:14 it says and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed but paul made it clear what that prophecy was about in galatians chapter 3 verse 16 paul says look it didn't say in your seeds it said in your seed individual all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And it was speaking of Jesus. And because of Jesus, it isn't just the Jews, but it's all the nations of the earth, the Gentiles too. We are blessed because of what Jesus has done. This isn't exclusive to the Jews anymore. These guys didn't get that. They missed the boat. On it, But we're going to read about that next week and what happens with that. The takeaway from this, the lame man wasn't expecting to be healed. And sometimes we aren't expecting what God wants to give to us, what God wants to do in our lives. We're not expecting it. We're expecting A, and he wants to do B, B, C, D, E, F, but we're just stuck on A. The lame man wasn't, he wanted this alms. And God was going to give him the ability to never have to ask for alms again, but that he was going to be a productive person. Sometimes we ask God for what we want, but we ignore what we really need. The lame man didn't stand up and praise Peter and John. He began praising God. That's important for us. There are so many excellent pastors out there that preach a good word, but we should never glorify them because of the word they speak, because of the teachings, because of The worship teams and the music and the excitement and the lighting and the... None of that is important. What's important is who is important is the God of the Bible, the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit who lives within you. That's the important thing that we need to be focused on And just like the Jews, number three, we can choose to ignore the scriptures and follow our own lives, our own plan, our own desires. But when we get tired of that, we reach out and that Holy Spirit will lift us up from our lameness and we'll be leaping and dancing and we'll be excited to see what God is going to do next. Today, we're the ones bringing the message to the lost. It's us that are bringing that message of hope to the lame, to the spiritually lame, the spiritually blind. And when the Holy Spirit tells you it's time to lift someone up, have faith that he is going to be the one to do it, not you, him. Amen?